It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up, or we're going to lose everything. We have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. He would like to see immigration reform pass into law, more humane processes. Has President Biden ever been to the southern border? In his life? I will have to get look back in my history books and check the times he's been to the southern border. We have been looking all morning, and we cannot find any record of him visiting the border as president, vice president, senator, or even as a concerned citizen. Why would that be? I can check and see when the last time or when he may have been. But, but tell me more about why you're asking. Because this is a president who makes a point when there are disasters in this country, like a wildfire or a hurricane to go and see for himself firsthand what the needs are of the local community so that he can have an informed POV to make policy. Why doesn't he do that? Uh, why doesn't he go down to Del Rio, Texas and see what's going on? Well, first of all, Peter, I think the situation at the border is the result of a broken system. And the president certainly relies on his experience. So whether it was the work he did to address root causes as vice president, his efforts when he was in the Senate to support comprehensive immigration reform, a steps that at a time were done, being done and worked toward in a bipartisan way, something that uh, certainly we think should be the, the case today. He uses all of his experiences to inform how he governs, how he approaches challenges. And certainly he looks again at the last four years and the, the separation of children who are ripped from the arms of their parents as a way he does not want to proceed. So all of his experiences and his time in office, whether vice president or Senate, uh, inform his approach to issues. Yeah, well, as good as Jen Psaki is, that made no sense whatsoever. He brings his experience, but not the experience of having been to the border. No, not that. And uh, while we were sleeping or doing our life in the last 24 hours, two Afghan refugees uh, who have been uh, delivered to Fort McCoy in Wisconsin, are facing charges of sex crimes, uh, one against a minor. Uh, and then, of course, we have um, the fact that the Biden administration claimed they were sending the Haitians back to their country, but that's really not true. Very small portions of them, they are being now escorted to a town near you, all over the country. And last, just quickly, uh, four House Republicans, led by Representative Bob Gibbs, have filed three articles of impeachment against Joe Biden, one for uh, uh, one for the situation in Afghanistan, one for the housing situation, and, um, and one for the refugee situation and the border. So we'll talk more about that, but I want you to know that that's happened. Well, <laughs> my next guest is, uh, you know, if I, under normal circumstances, we talk all about the border, and I do want him to say a word about that because he's the former acting director of the Customs and Border Patrol under uh, Joe uh, under Joe Biden. <laughs> Under, um, yeah, Donald Trump. King Cuccinelli, the former Attorney General of Virginia, now a senior fellow for Renewing America, joins us this morning. Ken, good morning. Thanks for joining us again. Yeah, good to be with you, Sandy. I know we're going to talk about something else more important. Just say a word. You've got to be bursting with something to say about what's happening on the border. 
Oh my gosh. I mean, it's uh, just when you think it can't get any worse. Um, look, they're facilitating an invasion of this country. And I know your listeners are pay attention to their constitution. Unlike the president of the United States at the moment, article four, section four, four, four says the federal government will guarantee states protection from invasion. Instead, they're inviting the invasion, and um, and we're we're paying the price. The consequences are enormous, and uh, especially in the border states, two of them run by Democrats, so they're not going to make a peep. But two of them are run by Republicans, and they can send these folks back themselves uh, outside of immigration authority. They can use their state powers under Article One, Section Ten, to do that. And um, I'm a little surprised they haven't gotten to that point yet, but. It's pretty it, – it is extraordinarily bad. And, and, you know, to listen to Jen Psaki say, well, you know, it's because of a broken system. You mean the system you broke, yeah. uh, you know, is really the answer um, uh, to, to that comment on her part. So yeah. it's really tragic that we have a president who, you know, puts Americans last and, and, and literally while finger-wagging at all of us about COVID is inviting – populations in from countries that have single digit or very low vaccination rates, essentially importing COVID into the country, in addition to all of the problems that come with the illegal invasion. I mean, then not, where do you begin? Where do you begin? <laughs> no, you know? I, I don't know. I, and, and not requiring vaccinations of any of them coming in and actually laughing. About, I was laughing, not. you know, smirking about it, smirking about it. I, this is just, it is horrendous. Well, the vice president would be giggling. <laughs> So it's giggling for her. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Jen Psaki smirks. Kamala Harris la- uh, giggles. That's right. Well, Ken, there's another issue. Uh, so there weren't, there's lots of issues. But one we've talked about a lot, and I've talked about this for months now, because the number one goal of the Democrats when they overtook the House and the Senate, they stated right up front, was to federalize elections. We talked about SR1, HR1. And that has not worked out for them because of rules of the Senate primarily. Uh, but now we're hearing um, we're hearing like sounds that um, uh, Chuck Schumer has a plan to push this thing through regardless. So say, tell us about what you think he has in mind. Yeah. So um, the Democrats made a compromise amongst themselves. It's not a compromise in any normal sense. Um, basically, they got Joe Manchin to to give on a lot of his demands. Senator from West Virginia. Um, things like voter ID and other things. He softened all of his requirements from June the last time they went about this process in the Senate. And uh, it's probably helpful for people to understand Chuck Schumer wouldn't be pushing so hard on this if he wasn't afraid of being primaried by AOC in New York. Oh, interesting. Um, that's That's a big driver here that people need to understand. So um, this is definitely not even for Chuck Schumer's standards, normal behavior, <clears throat> but it's self-protection on his part. So he's literally going to do everything he can to get these uh, federalization of election bills passed. And uh, so they now have 50 Democrats who've agreed to support a bill. Joe Manchin is a co-sponsor, so is Kristen Cinema and all the rest of them. Um, and now the question becomes, will they get rid of the filibuster? The filibuster is the Senate rule, been there since the 1840s that requires a supermajority to change the law. 
both sides have occasionally been frustrated by this rule, but neither side has ever seriously contemplated getting rid of it. Well, now the radical left is pushing very hard to get rid of this rule, um, which would allow the Democrats to pass their election stealing bill with only 50 Democrats and the vice president voting for it. And they could do that by changing the rules with 51 votes in the Senate. Again, 50 Democrats and the vice president. But there are a number of the Democrats, Joe Manchin, Kristen Sinema, Maggie Hassan in New Hampshire, probably Dianne Feinstein in California. Um, John Tester has expressed reservations in Montana. So there's actually a decent number of Democrats who have expressed reservations about getting rid of the filibuster or including what they call a carve out. Well, just which basically means just to pass this bill, um, which is really just making getting rid of the filibuster a two step, because when we get back in majority, if our side didn't then use it for our priorities, everybody would go crazy on our side quite appropriately, I think. And we saw this with judges. You remember this, Sandy, yep. when um, Harry Reid said, well, we're going to get rid of the filibuster for confirming judges, but only below the Supreme Court level. Well, the reason they did that is they didn't have any Supreme Court justices to approve at the time. And um, and so now the Democrats appointees control the critical D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, often called the mini Supreme Court, um, because of certain types of cases they handle. Well, the Republicans got in and had trouble getting to 60 with Gorsuch, so they said, okay, you got rid of it for all the other judges. We'll get rid of it for these nine. And um, and that's the path that, that goes. So you, the Democrats can talk about a carve-out for the voting bill, but that carve-out will become everything. And then you'll just have two majoritarian bodies, the House and the Senate. Um, the Senate won't really be much different from the House at that point which is a key feature, keeping a lot of senators in check because they don't want to be like the House. They want to actually be a place where um, legislation has to achieve a certain level of bipartisanship uh, to, to get passed. And frankly, America tends to benefit from that. Ken, uh, that, that's a process. We're talking process and people understand yeah. in general. But let's talk about what this really means. Uh, if this voting bill, which I look, I have no idea. Well, what it really means no is, does the bill pass or not? That's what it really means. No, 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 no. I'm get talking rid of about the filibuster to pass their voting stealing bill. Right, right. No, I'm talking about the effect when this bill passes. Because honestly, I don't have a lot of hope that we can stop it. I really don't. I know I shouldn't probably say that, but they are so lawless. Why would they stop with this? Because this is the whole enchilada. If they are able to change, uh, federalize our elections. They are going to codify all of the nonsense we saw on November 3rd of 2020, and we will never win another election. I, any disagreement with that? Yeah, I, I never, ever, ever, ever see that we can't do any form of electing better than they can. Of course, what we really worry about is cheating, is that they just open the door to cheating. And um, uh the, the, that's the real concern. And when they write things in, you know, we were just talking about the border. When they write things into the bill, like automatic voter registration that would sweep in non-citizens, including illegal aliens, um, then you're literally talking about hundreds of thousands, if not millions, 
of voters across the country, that they, the people they want to make voters who aren't U.S. citizens. And they assume, I think reasonably, that those people will vote, vote Democrat. Um, but I, I often make the point, I did this weekend in North Carolina, that, uh, you know, don't, don't anybody fall into the trap of assuming, well, you know, Hispanics make up the mo- the biggest chunk of illegal immigration and we, and we can't win illegal immigrants. Well, maybe we won't win illegal immigrant votes, but we're doing very well with Hispanic Americans and we should never give that up. I mean, they're pro family, they're hardworking, they're religious. That sounds a lot like a Republican, you know, so, um, a conservative actually. So, and we are improving how we're doing there. So I don't think anybody should ever give up. But these bills would be terrible for America. I mean, they really bring lawlessness to our elections, and that seems to be intentional. And uh, it's that, that's why I use language like stealing elections. I don't say that lightly, but it's hard for me to read these bills and conclude they have any anything else in mind. And uh, and we need to stop them. I believe we can stop them. I have a lot more hope than you do. And um, you know, so far so good. And uh, the next month is going to be critical. The work I do with the Election Transparency Initiative, people can find it at electiontransparency.org. Uh, we're having success in states. So far, we've beaten back each of these federal bills, and it's worth remembering. And, and the Democrats know this, too, especially the more rational ones. Um, in years of my lifetime, Sandy, the national legislature, House and Senate, has never been so closely divided. We literally have a 50-50 Senate. And there's the smallest margin in the House um, of our lifetimes, and uh, you know that isn't lost on a lot of on a lot of Dems, um, the ones who aren't in the squad and who didn't come in as essentially Marxists, um, which there are a bunch of now, but, yes. but that's not all of them. And um, you know you're seeing that reflected in the success we're having defeating these bills in the Senate. So. Um, well, you know, right. every, right, everybody so, ought to pray, but you got to work yeah. too, and we're we're succeeding in that work right now. All right. Well, you've mentioned already we need to apply pressure on Joe uh, Manchin, on Kristen Cinema, and on several of the other uh, moderate. Rep- yeah. Yep. <laughs> moderate, moderate. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. By maybe modern s- terms, slightly right. open Democrats to not doing away with the entire system in order to gain power. Maybe they're not all quite there yet. Well, Ken, I'm encouraged, okay? So I appreciate you joining me this morning. Uh, so it's electiontransparencyinitiative.com to find out what Ken is doing. And he do, does great work, whatever he does. He's got great partners, so that's a great resource. Thank you, Ken. Sandy Rios in the morning. You know, a lot of times you have to choose between something high quality or something that saves you money. But if you can get both, why not? Especially when it comes to health care. And that's MediShare. You get both. The typical family saves 500 bucks a month switching to MediShare. And that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. It's because MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge PPO network. So yeah, really, you could save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. If you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. Here is the number you need. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Pause to Pray. 
A chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Paul Morris, Executive Director for Textiles, Consumer Goods, and Materials at the Department of Commerce. He's responsible for managing operations and resources for the department. Leviticus 25.14 reminds us of the importance of fair trade. And if you make a sale to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor, you shall not wrong one another. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Paul Morris in his role at the Commerce Department. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Again, that's "Go Visit" to the number 49596. The homecoming parade at Independence High School in Tennessee stirred up a bit of controversy. One of the floats was hosted by a gay pride group. Teenagers on board the float were engaged in, well, how can I say this delicately, a very inappropriate public displays of affection. Kissing and groping is how the Moms for Liberty group described the scene, played out in front of kindergartners and grade schoolers. Angry moms and dads piled into a school board meeting in Williamson County to voice their concerns. They were also upset that a gay rights group gave small children what they called recruitment cards, promoting Bisexual Awareness Week. Again, why does a first grader need to know about Bisexual Awareness Week? It's disturbing and unclear. The school district says they are investigating the incident. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. around the back guys they're shooting towards the shrine at the protesters let them shoot us on hollow ground let them shoot us on hollow ground sound of uh, Melbourne, Australia police shooting at protesters who had gathered to protest the crackdown there making life almost impossible for people in Australia and some of these provinces. And it sounds like most of the provinces are caving and are going the way of, uh, of the, the early ones. I think it was Queensland that's been the worst one so far. I think it's Queensland. But um, so what they did was also the Australian police uh, ordered, sort of put a ban on planes or any kind of uh, surveillance taking place over this park because they drove these protesters to, they were very peaceful, I saw pictures of them. I mean, uh, they're, they're just standing there with flags. 
uh, they mo- drove them to Melbourne's Shrine of Remembrance, and you see them standing on the steps. And so once they did that, then the police, in, I mean, totally decked out in all this military gear, started shooting. They're shooting rubber bullets. Uh, I'm not sure what else, tear gas and rubber bullets. But, that you know, that even that hurts. And they were doing it as they, I mean, directly marching toward them, shooting right at them. It's just amazing. It was like war. And, of course, the people are gathered in this war, the Shrine of Remembrance. That's a a place where uh, they remember the bravery of Australian sh- soldiers, I think, who served in World War II. So um, this is, of course, on COVID. This is uh, the passports. They're keeping them. They've been shut up for a year. I told you yesterday that uh, even the uh, the unions have begun to rebel, and their leadership have been to ter- have begun to turn against them with the government. Uh, the press is against the people. The government is against the people. The leadership. As, does it sound familiar? So the way it's being presented to the rest of the world and to Australians at large is that these people are just the same as, uh, let's see, they're calling them neo-Nazis, right-wing extremists, and domestic terrorists. Those are the people that are objecting to being forced to take a vaccination or to uh, show that they have this kind of card in order to even have a life in Australia. It's just, it's really shocking. And so we... I, I want to read, this is an, um, a quote that someone sent me by Thomas Paine. You've heard it, but it's good to hear it again. He says, these are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheaply, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness, dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods, and it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. That's Thomas Paine, one of our founding fathers, one of the writers uh, of the Re- before the revolution, and it just kind of puts things in perspective. I thought, I thought you'd want to hear that. Um, so, uh, Queensland Australian police now have two weeks to get vaccinated or get out. They've been given a warning, and so uh, I've heard uh, uh, estimates that at least as much as ten percent of their force uh, may they may lose. Uh, but, you know, who knows when you have to st- feed your family and you can't buy food and you can't get medical care. I mean, how how do you stand against that? They've got it all figured out. And you think it's just happening in Australia, but it isn't. Uh, there's there's a story. There are a couple of stories about this, and I'm not going to go into it. This is a report. I can't ver- I don't have the bandwidth to investigate this, but I'm assuming that the people like in PJ Media have looked into this. The state of Washington Health Department is advertising positions for members of a new place called the Isolation and Quarantine Strike Team. Uh, it's uh, located in Centralia, Washington. Uh, and I, I can't, you know, uh, let's just say that people are concerned that it is not a benevolent public health place, but it's that it's Orwellian and fascistic, um, and that they're going to be, the, the suspicion and the concern is they're going to be sending people there, uh, uh, not of their own will or their own, uh, we don't even know why. What are they doing? What are they developing? This is this is outside the medical system in Washington State, so People are really, they need, they're uh, advertising for security for 24-7. And so the question is, well, why do they need security? Are they keeping people out or keeping people in? So that's Washington State under Governor Inslee now hiring uh, people for a strike team for this quarantine facility. 
So, um, meanwhile, back here at home, the uh, the FDA is has just authorized now uh, a Pfizer booster shot for seniors and high risk people. And so, this remember we told you that last weekend we did quite a bit. We're going to talk about this a lot tomorrow. But there was an eight-hour hearing on these booster shots, and there was a lot of dissension about it. In fact, I think uh, the, the vote against making it making them mandatory was considerable. It's like 16 to 2 or something like that against it. And so um, we know the two people at high-level high FDA employees are quitting, uh, but we don't know what the mystery is behind all of this. Well, there was a doctor yesterday uh, on with Neil Cavuto, and I just found it really striking what she had to say. Uh, her, now, stay with her. She said What she says is extremely important, I think. Uh, she is a, an Indian doctor. Her, her last name is Nampia Parampil. Nampia Parampil. And uh, this is what she says about this FDA recommendation for the booster shot. Let's listen. The normal process in terms of figuring out any medication, any procedure, any treatment that I recommend to patients, you know, I usually look to see first, there's some preliminary studies, then those go to the FDA. The FDA decides if that treatment is safe or effective, at least to be on the market. So just to be on the market and whether it can be marketed as such. Then you have different specialty societies, kind of, these are usually doctors, nurses, et cetera, healthcare providers. They comment on it, the research more in depth, and then they perform more research. So they can talk about specific groups, like whether there's more benefits, whether there are more risks. And then I read those, depending on my specialty, I make my recommendations to my patients. And at that point, the patient decides on their own what they want to do, right? But in this case, we have something different going on where the FDA has said one thing, but a specialty society, because the CDC is a little bit different. CDC is really more infectious disease specialists, et cetera. They are commenting on something the FDA has already said should not necessarily be available in certain groups. So that's a little different than the normal process. Then we also have a situation where we have mandates, which is not normally the case. So sometimes we have treatments available on the market, like chemotherapy, things that have risks and are dangerous, but still patients have options to be able to use them. So in this case, we have mandates where the choice is kind of being taken away from patients. And they're being told they have to do something. But then why sign a consent form, right? Because that's implying that you have some voluntary control mm -hmm. over what's going to happen. So, so there's a lot of different things that are coming into play. And I would say, you know, there's a problem really with trust in our society. That's the fundamental problem. And I think the opioid crisis and more recent scandals, all of this has contributed to the lack of trust. I thought that was pretty amazing I, because that's pretty bold of her. You know, she's supposed to walk the party line. All of these doctors run tremendous risk if they go against the party line, which is the FDA, which is the Biden White House. You remember the Biden, uh, uh, um, President Biden was, you know, lauded this plan to start booster shots this past Monday. Uh, they were going to make them available. They were so excited about that. And uh, the FDA stepped in and said, no, wait, not so fast. We're not sure they're safe. And and so that she's expressing, we're, there's confusion. There's a lack of trust if this is not the usual process. And so um, we know that it's being politicized. I also see here, this is a red flag for me, it's always Pfizer that gets approved. It's always Pfizer. And I, I read uh, just a few days ago that Moderna actually is performing better, if you want to talk about effectiveness, than Pfizer. And yet they rushed ahead to get Pfizer 
approved. So who's behind Pfizer? Who stands to gain money from Pfizer? I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering. Okay, so uh, that's the latest on that. But there's other things I want to tell you as just some other bullet points here about what's happening <clears throat> with COVID. Uh, there's a report out of uh, the, U the UK that there have, they're estimating there have been 10,000 unnecessary cancer deaths a link to the COVID-19 pandemic, a lack of face-to-face -face doctor visits in the UK since the start of the China's China virus pandemic may result in 10,000 unnecessary deaths due to cancer. And that's a report from the University College of London. Researchers with the university said that a drop in emergency referrals from general practitioners in 2020 across the United Kingdom resulted in some 40,000 late diagnoses of cancer. The delays combined with the longer National Health Service treatment due to the pandemic mean that thousands will die significantly early from cancer, earlier uh, from cancer, the report found. Uh, just, you know, that's one of those side effects that uh, doctors were warning us about, that there were so many un untold uh, effects of the lockdown that we could not quantify. And now we're just beginning, that's one, one of the first quantifications sort of quantified numbers that we've heard about the damage that, so, you know, depression, loss of jobs, loss of businesses, 30% of businesses uh, in the United States, small businesses have been decimated. Uh, so the residual effects of, you know, marriages, divorces, uh, all the things that are caught, you know, uh, there, there are um, collateral damage from those lockdowns over COVID. And yet, you know, the, the, the beat marches on here and they're not about to give up their, whoever it is, <laughs> the Marxist, communist, leftists that are running the White House right now and all the agencies and both houses of Congress uh, are continuing their march to complete control, totalitarianism. There's just no question about that. This is, um, we've talked about ivermectin a lot, haven't we? This is a study that someone sent me. I thought this was excellent. One of our listeners, uh, 20 countries are using ivermectin to treat COVID-19. They include Mexico, Guatemala, Argentina, Brazil, Bolivia, Slovakia, and the Czech Republic. Oh, also Portugal, Nigeria, and Egypt. Uh, in South Africa, doctors are allowed to prescribe ivermectin, but it's not being rolled out everywhere. So they're trying to stop that. Zimbabwe uh, started ivermectin in January, and that uh, reduced hospital admissions and deaths over 70%. Mexico City authorities created a home treatment kit including ivermectin, for its 22 million strong population in December of 2020, and they cut hospitalizations by over 70%. And then we told you about India this week earlier, how their, their treatment use of ivermectin in the provinces that they've used it have just had dramatic results. So um, so that's kind of some updates. Tomorrow we, we're going to talk to Phil Kirpin about some of the latest down in the weeds about what's happening with COVID. But I want to turn now to some of your email uh, because uh, you've been sending me some very interesting things, and I just some of them are just anecdotal stuff that's happening in your life. Um, this is one I did not read that came in actually in July, and I, these they pile up, and sometimes I don't get to them. But this is important. This is from Raydina. She says, "My younger sister developed pneumonia during Thanksgiving of last year. Uh, she got past it, but her health was never the same." Uh, of course, she had been tested for COVID. It came back ne negative. Uh, during the beginning of March, she started getting sick again, a really bad cough. I kept telling her to go to the doctor. In April, she was worse. She had to wear a mask at her job. Uh, she was ne never vaccinated, but all of her coworkers were. 
In April, she was sick. She went to the ER, urgent care, and to her regular doctor, and no one will give her treatment. I hadn't seen her since January. She did tell me that she lost a lot of weight, maybe 20 pounds. The last day I talked with her, I offered her to take her back to the hospital, but she said no. She said she'd be okay. That was May 8th. Her husband found her dead on Mother's Day morning next to my five-year-old nephew. She hadn't even turned 50. I never got to see her. She died from bacterial pneumonia because we feel they dropped the And um, she said, I just wonder how many people have died like my sister. Um, they let her suffer. And uh, I, so that's from Radina. So sad, Radina. I don't know what to say except that I'm just so deeply sorry, and I do think that's the story of lots of people, and many of them are writing me. This is... Um, now, this isn't interesting. This is from Joanne. And again, these are older because I don't think I ever read them on the air, but I saved them because I had marked them and I wanted you to hear them. This is Joanne. She says that a family reunion, 1st of July, COVID was spread. Five fully vaccinated got the virus. One fully vaccinated 91-year-old is in the hospital with COVID pneumonia. One unvaccinated 9-year-old caught it. She was sick for about four days. And... Um, and she said the presumed source was three of the fully vaccinated who flew to come to the reunion. So that's interesting, isn't it? Her breakdown of that. And she's just, you know, uh, fleshing out and living color in her own life. What we're being told, we know that the now the vaccinated are getting COVID and they're spreading COVID. So what's this all about? And, the, I, you know, yet and they still, of course, want to turn uh, the country against those that have not been vaccinated. But... Um, I don't want to turn the country against anyone. I want us to find a solution to this. I want people to be well. I don't want them to be, I don't want people to be duped into thinking they're safe in a false way. And I don't want people to be forced to take something that may harm them at some point in their lives. And that's what the issue really is. There are a lot of, uh, a lot of stories that you've sent me, a lot of really interesting email. I'm going to go to those, but I'm also going to open the phone line. So if you have, um, it can be about anything. It doesn't have to be about COVID or, you know, but I, I know that all the stories I talk about provoke uh, thoughts and experiences with you. Um, but make sure that your remarks are concise and clear. Make sure you have something really important to say. Okay, so because you know that real estate and time real estate is very short. And so we want, um, we want you to have something important to share, okay? Not everything that you think is important to share, you know that. I had to learn that. But our phone number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Target is in the bullseye because of its transgender bathroom policy. A petition by the American Family Association to boycott Target now surpassing a million signatures and counting. People have their own beliefs and stuff, but what can it hurt? What can it hurt? What can it hurt? Can it, hurt? it hurts our daughters. It hurts you. It hurts our families. It hurts me. It hurts all of us. Sign the petition to boycott Target at AFA.net. There are some oh, horrendous things that have been taking place. Bishop E.W. Jackson. But, but, the good news is that God is still on the throne. Jesus is still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Tune in to The Awakening, weekdays at noon central on American Family Radio. He said in the world you would have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer. 
because I have overcome the world. And uh, that's the way we've got to approach all this stuff. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Here, Jesus instructed his disciples to cross a lake and meet him on the other side of it. As they went, they were met by a violent windstorm that halted their progress. Often in our Christian lives, we receive clear instruction from the Lord, only to be met by an obstacle that halts our progress. We must, however, recognize that the onset of a storm does not cancel out God's instructions. Halted progress does not equal denied destination. When Jesus directed the disciples to go to the other side, he absolutely meant for them to get there. Delay does not equal denial. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. The following are real life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Amidst the ongoing devastation caused by Joe Biden's abandoning of our supporters in Afghanistan, opportunities should be seized to demonstrate America's reliability in supporting its friends, not just pay lip service to that proposition. Unfortunately, Team Biden has just done the opposite, this time alienating, undermining, and endangering our most important partner in the Middle East. Led by Islamist representatives Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar, every House Democrat voted this week to defund Israel's Iron Dome anti-rocket system that keeps Hamas jihadists from murdering large numbers of her civilians. As with the rest of Biden's ruinously transformative agenda, the American people do not favor imperiling the Jewish state and its citizens. If this proposed betrayal is allowed to stand, our alliance relationships worldwide will surely suffer further, and our enemies will become ever more emboldened and aggressive. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. You know, this uh, COVID mandates uh, and the passports are making strange bedfellows. And one of the strangest to me was a, a clip that I uh, saw yesterday. This is the guy who heads Black Lives Matter in New York City. We've talked about him before. He's a big, uh, he's a bulk, kind of a big guy. And uh, he's pretty mean when he wants to be. And this is what he has to say about the vaccine. This is clip four. 
about these man, vaccine mandates. Listen, vaccine is a choice, okay? This is a choice. You shouldn't exclude people from everyday activities because they choose not to engage in something they have every reason to doubt. The government's story on the vaccines have changed every one to two months since Donald Trump. The, the vaccines have had effects that, that, that people come out and say, oh, well, you know, that never happens. But they do happen. People die. Joe Biden said that folks wouldn't be hospitalized. People are being hospitalized and dying. We, as black people, have every reason not to trust the vaccines. But yet again, I'm not telling you not to get it. I'm just saying you should have a choice. All right. So that's in there something, Hawk Newsom. You should have a choice. I'm wondering if Hawk Newsom is a Marxist like the founders of Black Lives Matter, because I don't think they're too concerned about having a choice. But that's interesting. All right. I want to just read a couple of email very quickly. Uh, lots of you are telling me that you're going to lose your job if you don't get a vaccine. And I just rather than read all of your comments, because I because of the time, I want to remind you that if you're in that situation, ADF, Alliance Defending Freedom, has uh, uh, they have sort of a, a template on their website to help you appeal uh, uh, to not have to have that vaccine. And Liberty Council has the same thing, Liberty Council. Uh, and if it's... Um, Devin, help me remember what the one for the military is. It's Liberty. It's... Uh, I can't think right. Michael Berry's organization. Uh, and we'll give that in just a second. So... Um, so... This is Christina saying that her school district now is pushing to get children 12 and up vaccinated and they're giving them vaccination cards. You know, I, I think what I would do with that, Christina, is I would gather information about myocarditis in boys. I give her information about the uh, the lack of testing on uh, fertility and girls and what they found out. I know it's hard, uh, but you could you could find that. We've talked about that on the air. Maybe find that uh, video of that boy in uh, uh, Arizona, who's from Tennessee, on the golf team, who now is in the hospital because he came, uh, he had the vaccination after the second one. He had the terrible response, and he's in the hospital with heart heart failure. So uh, he gave his own, um, you know, testimony about that. So uh, those are the kinds of things you can do. All right. So one thing, uh, this is from Susan. She said, my boyfriend, my sister, and I just received ivermectin through Push Health, P-U-S-H-H-E-A-L-T-H. I'd never heard of it before, but that's another one to write down. And I have been telling you MyFreeDoctor.com. Several of you have written in and said you've gotten help through them, MyFreeDoctor.com. And so, um, okay, so with that, let's go to the phones. Um, this is, uh, let's go to Angela, Mississippi. Good morning, Angela. Good morning. Yeah, so I what's up? All, I, well, I listen all the time, but I never have called. But I have interesting information about natural immunity. My husband and I had COVID September 14th of last year. We actually got it from my 83 and 84 year old parents that we had to go help one one night. But anyway, my husband works at a hospital, and they were going to mandate all of them have the vaccine by September 30th. We did put in for a religious exemption for him, and praise the Lord, he got it. Um, but he just wanted to go have his antibody titer checked just to find out what it would be. And 
it's actually greater than 2,500, which is really high. So he has positive antibodies from a year of having COVID. And that's natural immunity at its best. And I would encourage people who have had COVID to maybe go have an antibody level check just so they will know because natural immunity, you know, God-given natural immunity is amazing thing. Yes, it is, Angela, and that's my my understanding from the experts. Too. Well, from the ones experts that I trust, that's what they talk about. This is the way it's worked for centuries. You know, since we've known about viruses and how they work, we know that you get a virus. Look, how many of us had chicken pox? I had chicken pox. I had a terrible. Uh, you know, you you don't you get them once and then you don't get it again. That's it. Uh, and so that's been the way our natural system, immunity, immune system has worked. And they, that's why would we believe that COVID would work any other way? So that's a good, that's great, Angela. I just, the problem is, you know, whether these companies will accept, uh, you know, so the hospital accept, no, they, they gave you the religious exemption. He didn't talk about the antibodies to them, right? Oh, I that, think she's gone. That was going to be, that was going to be his next step. Okay. If they didn't give him the religious exemption, he was okay. going to present that. All right. Well, then that to me, that's people need to be, that's another uh, thing that we need to make clear. What Angela's suggesting, if you're really in a pinch and they're forcing you, this is, I don't know that they'll listen because the world's gone crazy, but this is another avenue you could try. Angela, thanks a lot. And good, that's great news. Let's go to, um, let's uh, talk to Lynn in Arkansas. Good morning, Lynn. Hi. Um, yeah, I wanted to just say that there is a toxic substance in the shot called graphene oxide, and uh, there's supposed to be an antidote for that or, or some way to to deal with it. I don't know that. I can't say that uh, because I haven't even read all the information yet, but I got it from a credible source who is a former uh, nurse but deals with natural things now. Um and the mask, the blue mask, um, I've heard there's also um, fibers in that that are toxic. Most of them are from China. And um, also, when I was talking to someone at, uh, the other day about those masks at church, she said she read on one of the boxes, don't keep them in a hot, um, you know, environment. So she was keeping them in her car for when she needed them. And you know how it gets really hot here in the summer. Yes. Yep. There's been studies. There's been studies on how disease-ridden those masks are, Lynn. So th- those that, those are two good heads up. Thank you very much. Let's go to Ashley in Mississippi. Good morning, Ashley. Yes. Hi. Hi. Um, my family sat down early in the COVID thing and talked about, you know, what would Jesus do and what does the Bible tell us? about how we're supposed to behave. And what my children and I found was love your neighbor. Help those who are less fortunate than you. Look out for the weak and the sick and help them. And so we decided that, you know, a piece of cloth or over our face was not much of a cross to bear to prevent hurting other people and that we would spread God's love instead of spreading a virus. Well, that's interesting, uh, Ashley. That kind of couples, uh, Baylor University is really cracking down on their students. And I heard from one of them, uh, a mother of one of the students, 
uh, and they have this banner up uh, in on the campus that says, as a follower of Christ, I think that keeping others safe in this way is a practical form of loving others well. There, she's talking about the vaccine. Would you would you agree with that? I do, I do. I think that it. I don't understand any. I couldn't find anything in the Bible about you know feeling so frankly selfish um, to think that your personal freedoms trumped other people's right to life. And the only times we find the word freedom when we were studying this was freedom from sin um, and not freedom to hurt others. Yeah, well, I think uh, you make a point that a lot of people make. So let's talk about it for a second. I think the assumption, probably what would happen here in terms of my view of this is our assumptions are different. Um, I think that people are not not getting the—many many may feel the way you do. That's just about their personal freedom. They don't want to wear a mask or they don't want to get a shot because it's infringing on their personal freedom. But others feel that there's great risk with this shot. We've been hearing that it causes uh, heart problems and blood clots, uh, that it interferes with—it it completely alters your immunity system, your immune system— we also know now that people who are vaccinated are actually spreading the virus, and some say more than the unvaccinated. And so there's a lot more, it's a lot more complicated to me than your your view of it. So I don't think, you know, if you are getting the shot uh, so that you don't infect others, then that's that's not an accurate, that's not going to stop you from infecting others. According to even, they're even actually reporting it, Ashley, on these, you know, other, <laughs> these uh news networks that are not necessarily uh, as conservative as I am. So this is just a fact well, that vaccinated people... Got vaccinated Pardon? Our understanding that we, our whole family got vaccinated, and our understanding is that we would carry a smaller viral load if we were to get the disease. Yes, I know. That's so what you... Where, where do you Ashley, where do you get, where do you get your information? Ashley, where, do you get, where did you get that information, do you think, that that was going to be the case? The National Institutes of Health. Yes. Okay, so that's the problem. Ashley, let me just explain, and you can reject what I'm going to, but just listen to me. The National Institutes for Health, the CDC, uh, all of those institutions like Congress, like the courts, like the Justice Department have been corrupted. They're no longer trustworthy, and they are really fully, almost fully, in the hands of leftists who don't have your best interest at heart. That's the element that you're missing. That's why, in your opinion, and I understand that why you feel the way you do, that you think it's loving to get the vaccine and to wear the mask, because I don't think you're fully informed. And I'm glad you're listening this morning, because that's the kind of thing I talk about all the time. You can take it or leave it, but I will tell you what I'm finding out about this every morning. I um, So, Ashley, thanks. I appreciate you calling in and challenging me, That's because I appreciate that, That's uh, because iron sharpens iron. So thank you. You know, I do think of certainly Ashley's view that we should uh, love on people and help our neighbors. Uh, I don't think there should be any, like, I feel grief when I find that people, I worry when people have been vaccinated, including my own family members. And if I, if what I'm reading turns out to be right, I guarantee you there will be no victory in me. I, I, I just, this, this is a destruction of health. Uh, the repercussions in the future, I fear for them, based on what I'm reading, what I'm hearing. And uh, in good faith, people have done this. A lot of my friends and neighbors and, again, family have done this trusting because we could, in the past, trust our doctors and 
trust our hospitals, couldn't we? But now we find out that there's so much corruption, and I don't even have time to go into all of it for Ashley's sake, since maybe she hasn't heard any of this. Uh, but the truth is, there is great danger with these vaccines. Whether the danger uh, exceeds the danger of c- uh, catching COVID and the side effects, that's the issue. I just uh, played yesterday, um, uh, I believe I played it yesterday, a doctor who was saying that the, according to the numbers, and this is one of the guys who testified at the FDA hearing last weekend, that uh, we are killing twice as many people as we're saving. And he gave the numbers. He broke it down with the, with the vaccination. And I also would remind you all that the ABC station in Detroit uh, put a Facebook question on their, on their Facebook page. Uh, could you let us know if you give us your stories of people that you in your life who are not vaccinated, who have either died or had, uh, you know, adverse effects from COVID. And rather than get those stories, they had 80,000 responses, most of which were, no, it's the vaccinated. It's my vaccinated family who are uh, being harmed, who are die- dying, and they give story after story. And that's not at all what uh, the ABC station in Detroit had in mind. So there's more to it that you don't know. And so just, just keep your mind open, please. Let's... um. Uh, uh, let's go to Clifford quickly. Clifford, Clifford, if you could make it quick, that would be great. Yes, I just heard that, and I don't know if it's true. The head of CDC is Dr. Fauci's wife. And when the uh, Winter Olympics come along and they have to take blood tests and they continue to get the D, uh, DNA test and uh, ID of all the different people of the world, won't China have a nice time to decide how and how, when to make more uh, pandemics? Well, who knows about that, Clifford? I think uh, his wife, Christine, is the head of the Department of Bioethics at the National Institutes for Health. So that's that's where her job is. It's very incestuous in Washington and in the leadership. By the way, Linda, I didn't get to you. I wanted to. She's a registered nurse. She said she hasn't even had a cold in a year. Uh, and uh, I wish we could have talked. I'm sorry we couldn't. It's like with the, the email you send me. I can't. I just can't manage quite all of them. And that's frustrating to me. But I'm trying. And so here we go. We trust God, don't we? We trust him no matter what. And um, I think we do have to honor him in all of this, even in our disagreements on how we should be treated and how how we should be treated uh, medically and how we should treat other people. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.